Would you turn with me tonight to Luke? Uh, two weeks ago I was talking to you from Luke, the last chapter. And I had spoken to you about the part where the two men were on the road to Emmaus and met Jesus on the road, did not know him, and how he revealed himself to them and uh, that they opened their home to him, they opened their eyes to him, they opened their hearts to him, and he opened the scripture to them. Now, as we get down after this, in this uh, 24th chapter, uh, the ones on the road to Emmaus went, and uh, while I was speaking to the disciples, Jesus suddenly stood in the midst of the disciples and said to them, Peace be unto you. That's up in the 36th verse. Peace be unto you. And yet here is Jesus standing there speaking to them, Peace be unto you. And it says, But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. But how wonderful it is here that as these verses go on, he tells them, Behold my hands and my feet, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. Now, beginning with the 44th verse, this is the area that I'd like to speak to you tonight about. For now, Jesus speaks to his disciples. It's before he leaves them. Uh, when we get to the book of Acts, of course, we read the record of his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But uh, here it is uh, as he's leaving them and uh, he's risen. This is going to record his ascension as we come toward the end of the chapter. And he said unto them, uh, and this is so important, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, notice, in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms, concerning me. These are the things which were written. These are the things which I spake unto you. And these prophecies are to be to our hearts that wonderful open door to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The scriptures in the Old Testament are the absolute essential to our understanding of who Christ is. If there were no Old Testament, we would have no Christ. All of the prophecies of the Old Testament led the Jews to be looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And here he tells them, 
And in the 26th verse, you remember, he said, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? It was not some secret. He had spoken to them about his death in many, many places in the scripture. And yet when it happened, they had been completely deluded, did not understand at all. The scriptures did not come to their mind. And he said, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. Now you know that I love the Psalms and uh, it always thrills me that Jesus says in the Psalms it's written about me. And you can go into every area of the scriptures here and you can find that these words that have been spoken to us are speaking to us about Jesus Christ. Whether we go back to Genesis and it tells us that the seed of the woman, there should be enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan, the seed of the flesh. That there would be enmity. That that enmity would go on down through the ages. That Satan would seek in every way to destroy the seed of the woman. And from every area of prophecy we would find, whether it's in the Genesis record or the blood of the Lamb and the cleansing from sin in the Old Testament or the tabernacle and all of the parts of the tabernacle or the offerings, every single thing, if you look at them, speaks about Jesus Christ so that we know that the Old Testament is continually pointing toward the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, you should have known this. I spoke to you about it while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Everything that the Old Testament had to say about me was absolute truth. This is nothing new. I am not some new venture in mankind's history. This is not something that's been done in a corner. All of the prophets of old spoke of me, whether it was Moses, the prophets, or the Psalms, they spoke of me. That's what he said, concerning me. That's what they're speaking about so that we can understand fully that this glorious Christ that we have is the one prophesied of of old. Then in the 45th verse, he says, Then opened he their understanding. Now, beloved, this is a tremendous, tremendous truth. Then opened he their understanding. Here they had the word of God. They'd had the Old Testament. They'd had all the prophecies of old. And yet they had not fully comprehended that this was speaking of Jesus Christ in every facet of his nature. Whether it was to be his birth, it was recorded in the Old Testament. Whether it was to be his sacrificial atonement, it was recorded in the Old Testament. That would be Isaiah 53. His birth... Isaiah 7:14. Isaiah 9:6 His name shall be called wonderful counselor the mighty god the prince of peace and the government shall be upon his shoulder the everlasting father he's called and this is back from the Old Testament, speaking, Unto us a child is born, unto us a, sin is, a son is given, 
and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Continually, you see, it's speaking of Jesus and his coming. And he says, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Now, you know, I think it's a little hard for us to, to conceive sometimes that nothing is written in the New Testament until about 30 years after his death. Nothing. Probably the first book written, of course, as I said, was 1 Thessalonians. None of the Gospels were written. 1 Thessalonians is the first book of the New Testament ever written, written by Paul. And here Jesus is speaking to the Jews and telling them, it's your scriptures that speak of me. Now remember, for 30 years or 35 years after he died, after he rose from the dead, after he ascended, the apostles had nothing to use but the scriptures. No revelation had been made through them at that point. This was necessary. Souls must be won to Christ from the Old Testament to show the Jews this is Messiah. So with great purpose in mind, God allows nothing to be written. His God-breathed word until approximately 30 years after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so he, he appealed to the Scriptures, continually appealing to the Scriptures. He opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And how tremendous this was to the apostles. Imagine to be going out into the highways and byways, and when Peter receives the Holy Spirit in great power in the book of Acts, and when it says they are filled with the Spirit of God, and then goes out and preaches to the Jews, and 3,000 Jews are swept into the kingdom of God in his first great message. Tremendous to see the power of the gospel as the scriptures of old are used. And how precious this should be to our hearts. Notice what it says. And said unto them, he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Now he has just told them, these Scriptures speak of me. They concern me. May I say this? Glorious the church and all that God has given us in the New Testament. But if the New Testament had never been written, remember, souls would still be saved the same way. They would have to be looking forward to the coming of Messiah. And if the New Testament had never been written, there would have been that looking forward to Messiah. For the sacrifices of the Old Testament were not sufficient to take away sin. 
Christ must come to take away sin. Their sins were covered, but Christ may, must come so that sins are taken out of the way. But the New Testament is written so that we fully know who Christ was when he did come. And God then filled out the complete plan so that while it was not necessary, for 30 years souls were swept into the kingdom through the preaching of Peter from the Old Testament, from the preaching of Paul, from the preaching of James and John and all the rest, from the preaching of the Old Testament. And if we can't save souls from the Old Testament, then we have no New Testament Christ. And the New Testament is written for the church of God. God's infinite holy plan is made complete by the recording of his precious word in the New Testament. The salvation of men after Christ's death all referred back to the Old Testament. But the New Testament gives all the glory to the church's bride. And Jesus places down for us all the glories that he can in that blessed New Testament word which is in his blood that we might, as the church of the living God, know how to live this life for Jesus Christ. And so the gospel record is from the Old Testament. And if it were not from the Old Testament, there would be no salvation. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus made no references, remember. Jesus made no references to the Jews, to the New Testament per se as it is written, for it had not yet been written. So every reference to the Jew is to the Old Testament. And that's exactly as it must be today. But for us, it gives us that glorious assur assurance in our breast that here is that word spoken of, that Jesus opened their understanding so they could see this. Do you know that in most Christian churches, the Old Testament could be left out completely and people wouldn't know the difference? They'd never have to read it or anything else. And yet the New Testament without the Old is absolutely useless because you have nothing from the beginnings which point to the coming of Jesus Christ and Christ made every single reference concerning himself depend upon the Old Testament. Read the Gospel of Matthew. That's all he does. He continually refers back. Old Testament says, the Old Testament says, so that we understand fully this is the Christ, the Messiah of God. And so he opened their understanding that they would see the scriptures as they are. I couldn't help but think in thinking of that, how you remember that verse that we use so often in 2 Timothy 3.16. I think most people can quote it, all Scripture. Whenever the word Scripture is used with caps, it's Old Testament, remember. It has nothing to do with the New Testament. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and 
for reproof and for correction, for instruction and righteousness. But if you don't read the 15th verse, you don't even know what they're talking about. This is the epistle of Paul to Timothy. Here's what he says in the 15th verse. From a child, Timothy, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now notice. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. Isn't that tremendous? Why, he says, Timothy, from a little child. You have been taught the scriptures by your mother and your grandmother. And those scriptures were able to make you wise. Unto what? The salvation which is in Jesus Christ. Isn't that tremendous? From the Old Testament. Here was this glorious, glorious truth of God that this Old Testament, the only thing they had to preach, you remember that Philip on the, on the road, the Ethiopian eunuch, how he comes up beside him and he says, Knowest thou what thou readest? He says, How can a man know except someone tell him? And it says he was reading from the book of Isaiah. He was bruised for our iniquities, etc., etc. And then he turns and he looks at Philip. And Philip, it says, then opened the word to him and preached unto him what? Jesus Christ. From Isaiah 53. Now, isn't it blessed to know that souls were saved for 30 years after Jesus died, after Jesus arose, and after he ascended, not from your New Testament, but from the Old Testament Scriptures? What should make us feel, then, that the Jews are beyond this? That the Jews of this day that we live in you can never use the New Testament with a Jew. You may get to the New Testament with a Jew, but you must use your Old Testament with a Jew. To go to the Jew with the Gospel of John and talk to him, he's not interested. But if you go to the Jew with the Old Testament record of the coming of Messiah and show how clearly it pointed to Jesus Christ, then you have that which can convert their soul. For as he says to Timothy, Timothy, you knew the Scriptures from your babyhood. And at this point in life, Paul is about 70, and Timothy was approximately, they feel, around 40 years of age. When Timothy heard the Scriptures, Jesus Christ, he was not in the same generation as Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ had not yet been crucified. And yet the revelation was there. You've been taught the Scriptures from your babyhood. Paul was taught the Scriptures from his babyhood. God separated me from my mother's womb to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tremendous, tremendous truth in the Old Testament in his great and tremendous power. Notice what it says here about the Scriptures. He said unto them, Thus it is written, speaking of the Old Testament, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Notice this, what he's saying here, that this was the message that was to be proclaimed, that it was recorded in the Psalms. You can only have to go home and read Psalm 2, Psalm 22, Psalm 16, to find out that his Holy One could never suffer corruption, God said of his Son, that he spoke of his Son's coming, that in the Psalms he continually speaks in the Messianic Psalms of Christ and his coming and his coming again. You need only go home and read these individual portions, especially all of Psalm 22. Glorious, speaking about Jesus Christ. How do we know it's speaking about Jesus Christ? Because the book of Acts records the same words and says, thus they spoke of Jesus. And here he says that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations. Now may I say this, beloved, this is the only preaching that is really preaching. I have to say this. Preaching of repentance and the remission of sin. What good is preaching if there's no repentance in it? And we know that there's plenty of preaching today that has nothing to do with salvation in Jesus Christ or sin or repentance or remission of sin. has nothing to do with it. And here he tells us what real preaching is. He says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. So this is the preaching that God blesses. Why? Because essentially, we are not dealing, if I can say this for the church, we are not dealing with reformation of character in man. We are not dealing as Christians for a better social system. We are not those who are involved in the political empires of the world. We are dealing with the life of the soul and its eternal destiny. Therefore, the preaching must always be the same, Jesus says. You have a job to do. It is to preach repentance and through that repentance, remission of sin. That's why I suffered death upon the cross. That's why I rose again, that you can preach repentance and remission of sin. But may I say this, while it is true that we do not get involved in the social state, we do not get involved in the integration problem, we do not get involved in the political situation, we do not get concerned about the tremendous power of communism. At the same time, we have to remember that that which we preach, 
repentance and remission of sins as a byproduct will change the character of a man and give him reformation. It will give us that desire to see that all men are equal, black and white, red and yellow, we care not. All men equal. Justice and equity will only finally flow from the throne of the Messiah when he comes. But as a result of the preaching of repentance, of turning our backs to sin toward God and the remission of our sins and making us free men in Jesus Christ, God has accomplished all that church pulpits are shouting about, about social justice, about the political systems, about integration, and about anything else, when new life comes into the heart of the individual, all these things are taken care of by the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ in your breast. So that when you go off on a tangent and the church begins to argue about the political systems, when it engages itself on marches upon Washington, when it engages itself in a great battle on integration, when it engages itself in all of these different maneuverings, we have lost the message and forgotten what God has called us to do, and that is exactly what Jesus says. He doesn't give another word. He says, you are called to do one thing. Preach repentance and remission of sin. And as a byproduct from the new birth, there'll be reformation of character, there'll be the yearning for the equality of the black man and the white and all the rest. And you'll be looking and yearning for that political empire which will be under the divine monarch, Jesus Christ. That's the difference. When you put the cart before the horse and you begin to try to reform a nation of unregenerate people and make them love each other, we're blind. We do not see the light. As Ernie read tonight, Jesus Christ is the light. Until that light shines into a man's heart, he'll never know how to love. He'll never know how to be able to understand the conditions of men and to see that men's characters being reformed never really changes their nature. Man needs a new nature a nature that only Jesus Christ can place in his breast through faith in his finished work on the cross of Calvary. And so, beloved, that's why Jesus says here and makes clear that we understand this is not something new. This is from the Old Testament. Salvation was preached to Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto righteousness. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He says, Abraham looked forward to my day because he knew I was coming. Abraham knew. Yes, that Old Testament really preached the gospel 
And the whole purpose, he says to us, was that, that repentance and remission of sins, notice, should be preached in his name where? Among all nations. Has anybody the thought that all the nations are going to get together? I've just been reading some of the statements of, of course, the Arab and the Jewish conflict, Israeli conflict, and how clear it's being made. The statements about the United Nations. I think it was Abba Iban who said, for 20 years we've placed it on the docket of the United Nations and all the nations of the earth can do Both the Jew and the Arab believe now that there's no answer but war. And I want to warn you, beloved, it can be that the last conflict is on the way. I don't think you would need any more lineup than you see where Russia, it definitely says, is with the Arabs in the United States or with Israel. You can see the handwriting on the wall, and whether this is the final conflict that we see coming or not, certainly all the signs are pointing to the soon coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God is calling out to us is this, don't get yourself involved in all the political maneuverings of earth, and don't get yourself involved in all of the maneuverings of men and trying to reform the character of a whole nation and to make them love anybody, everybody, you proclaim that repentance and remission of sins is available to every single soul and every nation throughout the earth and let the word of God fall where it may. And where conversion happens, everything else happens. Character changes, attitudes change, and great love for God and for man becomes existent in the human heart. And you can't substitute that kind of love. You can't find it any other way. You can't legalize it. You can't make laws that make you love anybody. It's not possible. And that's why Jesus made sure here these are his last statements. When we get to the book of Acts, we get the balance, don't we? Huh? What does he say here? He finishes off the same way he does in the book of Acts. He says here that in... The 49th verse, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Well, now I want to tell you the kind of power we get from on high of the Holy Ghost. We don't need to be running around in political spheres and trying to change society. The power that we receive from on high is not to change national attitudes. It's to change individual souls that they may know Christ as personal Savior, and as a result of that, be that new creature that Paul says, we are a new creation, new creatures in him. We now have received, he says, the Spirit of God in our hearts. We can love like God loved. We can understand man through God's eyes. We see man in all of his wickedness. We see the nations. We see the conditions. 
we understand what it is. Man is desperately wicked, God said. Who can know his heart? And we come into this knowledge and then we say there's but one thing for man. It's not to tell him he better be a nicer man, but it's to tell him there's a Savior that died for you. Your nature will never be any good until you have the nature of God dwelling in your breast. You can't have that except through that simple act of faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then you receive the gift. It's a gift of God. And that gift is the Holy Ghost. Then you can love. Then men's hearts are changed. Then there's a difference. Have you experienced it? Do you know what I mean? What is your attitude toward the black man? Let me ask. If you're regenerate, you love. I think Jesus puts it well. He says, if you love your friends, you have your reward. But if you love those that are your enemies, that despitefully use you, ah, this is commendable to God. That's love, you see. Easy to love those that love you, isn't it? Easy. That's not Christian. That's just nature. It's Christian when you love those who don't love you too much. And you know, I always think this, it's wonderful. Just recently I had an occasion where someone said to me, but I don't know how you can love me. And I never, my answer just came out automatically. I said, I want to tell you something. I don't know how to do anything else. Isn't that the answer? I don't know how to do anything else but love. Why? Christ has come into our hearts by faith. Once more, let's get up here. God is what? Love, right? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself by the death of the cross. Yes. By faith I come and I receive his salvation. And what does he do? He comes to dwell in my heart by faith. As I said this morning, Father, that we all may be one. I and them and thou and me and they and us, that we all may be one. What does it mean? Christ is going to dwell in our hearts. And since God is love and God was in Christ, then he places love in my breast so I can love and preach repentance and remission of sins that can change the world just where I live. I may not get out there to India, and I may not get to Africa, and I may not get out there, but where I live in my home and in my neighborhood and where you live, if you'll do a job right there, I want to tell you something. That's all God asks. Oh, we can send our missionaries out with our money, but until you're a missionary right in the area where we live, we have no right to be given money to others, say, go someplace else and win them for Jesus. It's up to us. Up to us. Let us pray. Now, Father, we pray that no one will leave here tonight without Christ in their hearts. And it's so apparent here, Lord, 
as we look into thy precious word and we realize that all the souls saved for the first 30 years or so were saved from the Old Testament. And now we have the joy of the whole New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ written in his blood. And we're so thankful that we're not called upon to reform the world, but we're called upon to seek out men that they might be regenerated. For, Lord, the world somehow thinks that they can become regenerate by reformation. But it isn't until the new life of Christ dwells in the heart, this is the act of God, that we'll ever understand what it means in this world to be able to love. And not to think of the reformation of character, for that comes through the new birth not to seek to reform first, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind concerning our Savior Jesus Christ. Not to be worried, Lord, when we see the political scene so terrible, but to know that one day the political scene is going to turn all aside and Christ will be King of kings and Lord of lords. To know that God himself will bring in equity and holy love and holiness when Christ returns. In the meantime, may we fill that place that you've called us to, and you haven't left but two words to us, to speak out for repentance and remission of sin. And we're thankful that this is what in this church we believe. So, Father, tonight we would pray if there's anyone here who hasn't yet said yes to Jesus Christ as personal Savior, that tonight they'll do so. While our heads are bowed, it may be that someone would, no one looking around, but just praying that someone would like to say, Pastor, pray for me. I'll not call you out from the congregation or have you come down front, but you might like to say, Pastor, pray for me. I really want Christ in my heart fully. If you do, just put your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Not asking anyone to come down to the front, just to raise their hand for prayer. Say, I really want Christ in my heart anywhere. Just put it up high and then take it down. Anyone at all. Just want to give you that opportunity of confessing Christ before men. He says, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him also will I confess before my Father, which is in heaven. Anyone? Just say yes to Christ. Lord, I, in the best way I know how, I, I really believe now. I want you in my heart. Quickly, anyone? Don't hesitate. If you're saying I ought to put my hand up, put it up. Put it up. Say, Lord, here's my hand. Anyone? Quickly. Just as I close, anyone at all. Now, Father, we rejoice for the opportunity of proclaiming the gospel once more. And we pray that no one will leave here tonight without Christ in their hearts as their personal Savior. May the Holy Spirit yet use the word of God that we will understand that Old and New Testaments 
of one great divine oracle. Speaking of the coming of Christ, prophesying of it, then his coming, his death upon the cross for man's sin, his resurrection, his ascension, his coming again. And, oh, Father, tonight we look to his coming. We pray that we will be found faithful in every way to Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.